Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Hey everyone, Alicia here with a super cool announcement. We want our listeners to be a part of the show by giving us their favorite fraud stories. But we won't be reading it for you. We want you on the show. So if you'd like to be a part, email your favorite story to assistant at workmanforensics.com and we'll work together and get you on the show. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Wheatholter, CEO and founder of Workman Forensics. Today, I'm excited to share my conversation with Karen Covey with you. Karen is a divorce advisor, attorney, and coach in Chicago, Illinois. She's been a divorce professional for over 25 years who is committed to helping people divorce more amicably and affordably. She's the author of When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally. And she's also the creator of the Divorce Roadmap 2.0. I've invited Karen to talk with us today because the divorce process was something I knew nothing about when I started Workman Forensics. But forensic accounting and divorce has become one of Workman's primary services. So this episode is really about learning more about what our clients need when going through a divorce. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. So the first question I have for you is one of my favorite things to ask guests. So how does what you're doing today in your career resemble or differ from what you expected when you were kind of deciding, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, I have to admit, I was one of those weird kind of nerdy kids, and I decided when I was six years old, I was going to be a lawyer. So it was just, it was always what I wanted to do. And and of course, growing up, you know, I toyed with other ideas here and there, but pretty much I knew from the time I was small that I was going to be a lawyer. Although what I do now isn't exactly traditional lawyering um, as most people do it. So what I do is a little different than what most other lawyers do, but I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow, that's awesome. So was there something when you were six years old that made you decide that that was the best career path for you, that that was your interest? I have no idea because I was the first one in my immediate family to go to college. My father never graduated high school. My mother never went to college. My brother was younger than me. I was the oldest. So I was the first one to go. Nobody was a lawyer. Nobody in my even extended family was a lawyer. So I have no idea where the, you know, where the idea came, came from. Maybe it was from watching Perry Mason on television or something back in the day, but I don't know. I just had this idea. I wanted to be a lawyer. Wow, that's cool. So why did you decide to focus on the area of, you know, being a divorce professional or having those services as part of your career? That's another interesting story. Um, When I started being a lawyer after law school, I worked for a big law firm. Then I spent a couple of years working for the government. And then I decided to hang out my own shingle. And when I did, I told everybody I knew I was starting my own practice and I would take any kind of case that there was except divorce. And it's, you know how they say that when you, you know, when you make plans, God or the universe or whatever you call the power that is laughs. Well, somebody was laughing at me because client after client kept calling me up and saying, Hey, Karen, do you do divorce? Hey, Karen, I, can you help me with my divorce? Hey, Karen, I I need a divorce. And finally, I literally was in my office, threw up my hands, looked at this guy and said, okay, I'll do divorce. I never looked back since. And it turned out to be probably one of the best decisions that I've ever made because what I wanted to do was help people. And 
being in divorce gives you a real opportunity to help people in a time when they need it the most. Absolutely. So as part of that, um, you know, just kind of evolution of doing that work, when did you decide or have you always wanted to just help people in divorce amicably and affordably? That's what we talked about in your bio, but then also I see that in your writing. Was this something that you wanted to do once you realized you were helping so many people with divorce, or is this something that came about later in your career? Well, I started my practice. I started working in divorce. And because I had experience working in other areas of the law first, when I went to divorce court, what I saw just shocked me. I mean, it's one thing to fight tooth and nail when you're fighting a personal injury case against a big corporation who didn't care about people and blah, 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 or, you know, name your your scenario. There's a lot of places where fighting makes a lot of sense, and it's really your only realistic alternative. But when I went to divorce court and I saw that the fighting was tearing apart families, like that just didn't make sense to me. So almost immediately, I went and got my certification as a mediator because I said, there has to be a different way to do this because this is just, it hurts the people, it, it hurts both sides. No matter who wins and who loses and what your definition of winning and losing is, when you go to court, a former husband and wife are just ripping each other to pieces. They suffer, their finances suffer, their kids suffer. And to me, it made zero sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, the divorce in itself and that change is just so significant anyway. So to add all of the fighting and the back and forth and not to mention all of the expert bills and legal bills on top of that, completely, completely agree. Yeah. I mean, when you fight, the more you fight, the more your divorce is going to cost, period. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you've created something called the Divorce Roadmap 2.0. What is this and who is the target user? The Divorce Roadmap 2.0 is my version, my revised version, because it's been around for a while. And it's an online program that's designed to help people understand what they're getting into in divorce and take control of their process so that they can divorce more amicably so that they can save time, that they can save money, and they can take control of their divorce and therefore their life back into their own hands. And the genesis for this program was years ago when I was just working as a traditional lawyer, I had a secretary who had worked for lots of different lawyers across the city. And after I got done interviewing a client and you know, I was talking to her and she said, you do understand that most lawyers don't do what you do. And I was confused. I didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? She said, most lawyers don't tell people all of their options. They don't take time to educate them about the system. They don't let them know what their choices are. And to me, that was the craziest thing in the world, because if you don't know what your choices are, you're not going to make a choice. You're just going to let things happen the way that they do. And sometimes that works in your favor, but a lot of times, most times it doesn't. So I realized the value of not only education, but insight, knowledge, and the idea of empowering yourself to start taking control of your divorce, because otherwise, somebody is always driving the bus, always. And you can either be the one who's the bus driver in your bus, or you can let somebody else, like a lawyer or your spouse or the court system or somebody else drive your bus. And then the problem is you don't know where you're going to end up once the ride is over. So that's why I created the divorce roadmap initially, and it's gone through um, a few iterations. So now we're on version 2.0, which is better and stronger than ever. 
And the program itself is delivered all online. It's a series of videos and worksheets and handouts and spreadsheets and all kinds of tools that people can use. And what's most important is that they can do it on their own time. They can do it on any device. So you can sit in your phone, on your phone in the car in a parking lot when you're waiting for your kid and watch a short video. You can learn things constantly and do it on your time because especially when you're going through a divorce, it's like having a second full-time job and you are so busy and have so many things to do to make the time to go sit with a lawyer and pay the lawyer's fee to tell you basic information. It's not always convenient and it's not always possible and it costs a ton of money. So that was what the roadmap program was. That's why I started it. And that's what it does. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As you were talking about that, I had a flashback to just last night. My husband and I are in the middle of a remodel and we've hired a contractor. And there's just something really strange about the foundation in this bedroom that they're remodeling. And, you know, what I want to do because I'm a busy person is well, just do whatever the contractor says. It's fine. Like whatever it costs, like it's just fine. Just do it. But then we're kind of getting towards the end of the project. You know, of course we're over budget on like everything. And we just sat down last night and I was like, okay, what can we do? Like we can rent tools and we can make this happen and we can come up with a solution and not just be reliant on our contractor who was giving us great advice. And he's actually going to help us do what we want to do this weekend. But in knowing we were going to be talking today, I thought this is kind of like working through a divorce process. Like a lot of clients want the attorney just to make decisions for them, but our contractor doesn't know our house like we do. And a professional doesn't know somebody's story like the person going through it would. And so I love that. Just having that extra information and education and being able to go and and have, it sounds like a one-stop shop where you can find all of this, you know, because last night researching how to break up this concrete was rather complicated. There wasn't a one-stop shop for that. Yeah, and what you're saying is such a perfect analogy because the truth is that most people don't understand when they're starting a divorce is they're gonna end up in exactly the place that you ended up with the contractor. After they've spent thousands or more likely tens of thousands of dollars with a lawyer fighting to the death, they're gonna get to the point where they're just exhausted. They're, they've spent way more money than they want to. They've taken way more time than they want to. And they're going to sit down and say, okay, now how do we get control back of this divorce so we can get it done and get it behind us? So they're going to end up in that place anyway. But if you start in that place, you have a whole different experience of the divorce process and you end up in a different place once it's over. And that place you end up is much more likely to be where you want versus like wherever it is. So that's, you know, that that's the perfect analogy of the contractor. So do you have a story you like to share about someone using this roadmap and succeeding? I had had such good feedback about it. And mostly what people say to me is that, it saved me time. It saved me money. Thank you so much for just providing this level of knowledge because the, you know, for most people, they have the lawyers who aren't going to sit down and spend six hours talking to them about how divorce works so that they understand it. And the other thing is that people have said is it enables them to be prepared because what happens in divorce that most people don't realize is lawyers are busy and they don't, they're, they're lawyers, they're not teachers, right? So they're thinking, okay, tomorrow we've got to go to court. 
and you as the person who's divorcing, you're completely stressed out about, oh my gosh, I've got to go to court. What do I do? How, what do I need? How do I dress? What do I, you've got a million questions. You're all freaked out about it. And to the lawyer, it's nothing because the lawyer's there every single day. So they don't even know that you're having like a panic attack over this and they don't tell you anything and they figure, yeah, you know, we'll wing it. We'll, we'll get there and everything will be fine. But you, you know, you get to court, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to do. And sometimes you're asked to make decisions in court, which the lawyer takes for granted, but to you, it's a big deal. Well, if you had had time to prepare, to think about what you wanted to do in that situation, what your end goal was, what outcome did you want for that court appearance? You know, what possibilities could have arisen then you're ready to make a decision. But when some lawyer just comes out and says, hey, the judge wants you to decide on temporary support right now. Do you want, you know, how are you going to decide this? Is, is this amount of money per month good? And we've got to figure this out right now or, you know, we have a problem. And you didn't even know you were going to talk about temporary support, for example. You, you're just thrown for a loop and you end up blurting out things and making mistakes, doing things without thinking because you didn't know you were going to have to make a decision. So part of the education process is understanding how the whole system works and what you're going to do at each stage so that you have a better idea of how to prepare yourself so that when you do have to make decisions, and that's most of the time, you're ready to do it and you can make them intelligently and make decisions that get you towards the end goal that you really want and not one that you don't. Yes, I love that. I just keep thinking of the um, TurboTax commercials, like all people are tax people and that, you know, people do incredible things every day. So you can also succeed at filing your taxes. So I love those commercials so much. And and with our program, Find Money and Divorce, you know, we are trying to tell people you can actually learn and you can know how these things work. It's not rocket science. And I like that, you know, you're still encouraging them to work with an attorney and all of these things, but just you can learn these things. It's not, uh, we tell people forensic accounting isn't magic. So there's no like magic formula or magic wand. It's using logic and understanding the system, even if the system isn't logical, but like understanding that process so that just what you said, so you can make good decisions. Or like in our case, we say so you can have a seat at the table when it comes time to negotiate for your financial future. We'll be right back to this interview. Now until December 31st, Workman Forensics is offering our virtual Case of the Man Cave game training event at a discount. Schedule a demo to learn more by visiting theinvestigationgame.com. The link will also be provided in the show notes. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, you recently published an article on LinkedIn called 53 pieces of divorce advice your lawyer may not have told you but should have. So obviously we don't have enough time to go through all 53 today, but I wanted to pull out a few tips and would just love to explain like why I made your list. And I have a few questions on some of them. And the reason I pulled these out is, and the ones I wanted to focus on, especially for the majority of our listeners, is that these were things I didn't know when I started having clients contact me and asking me for help in forensic accounting and their divorce. So anyway, if we can just go through a few of those. Sure. All right, so one of the things you mentioned is find a lawyer who's on the same page with you. So first, why is this important? How can somebody practically do this? And is it normal for someone to shop around for a divorce attorney? 
Okay, we'll start with the beginning. Why is it important? Today, in, in our world, there are a lot of different ways to get divorced. You can go to court and fight. That's traditional litigation. You can use mediation. You can use a special divorce process called collaborative divorce, where, again, you try to stay out of the court system and resolve your case with a team of professionals at meetings outside of the court system. Some places you can use arbitration, which is like mini trials with private arbitrators. So, you know, there are all different ways you can get divorced. Well, every lawyer doesn't specialize in every single process. Most lawyers, you know, some of them do it all and I do it all, but that's rare. Usually the litigators go to court and fight. The mediators or the lawyers who you know, work with mediators prefer to settle out of court in a mediation context. The collaborative divorce professionals do collaborative divorce and so on. Well, it, when you walk into a lawyer's office and you say, I want to settle amicably, but you just walked into the biggest shark attorney in town, that's not going to happen. You can hire that person and they can tell you whatever they tell you in that initial meeting. Oh, don't worry, we'll take care of you, but I'll protect you. And then the minute you hire them and the, the case gets going, they're going to do not what's best for you necessarily, but what they're most comfortable with. And it goes the other way too. If you want to, if your spouse just hired the biggest shark attorney in town, and you think you're going to mediate and you hire a lawyer who isn't the best trial lawyer, but is a really excellent lawyer for mediation, you're not going to do so well because you're not on the same page with the lawyer and the process. So it's really important that you find a lawyer who does the kind of divorce that you want to have. And that's their area of expertise so that that starts you on the same page. And you also want a lawyer who understands you and listens to you. Some everybody's got a different style. Some people are like, you know, like you see on the on the TV, on the cop shows, the facts, just the facts, ma'am, that's all I want, you know, and that's the kind of lawyer they are. Well, when you've got a very data-driven and analytical person, that could work really well. But if you've got someone who's falling apart at the seams and needs a little empathy, they need a different kind of lawyer and you are not going to be happy with your lawyer or feel like you're communicating with your lawyer if you've got somebody who's not on the same page with you. So that's number one. Is it normal for someone to shop around for a divorce attorney? Absolutely. People shop around all the time. As a matter of fact, I tell people that you should at least interview two, if not three lawyers when you're starting to find out is this person the kind of person that I want to work with? Are we a good fit? Do they want to do the, you know, use the process that I want to use? What approach are they going to take? Do I feel comfortable with this person? Those are all super important questions. And so not every lawyer, even though, even though they all may be equally skilled in lawyering, not every lawyer is going to be the right fit for you. So you've got to find the one who is. Yeah, that makes sense. I've had some clients before, I'm sure you've seen it too, when they just clash and so the whole thing doesn't work very well, or you have a more passive client and a more aggressive attorney. It, it's just a weird mix. I mean, so it would make sense that, I mean, just finding somebody that fits your style and what you're wanting, that's great advice. You know, you have enough problems when you're going through a divorce as it is. You're already, you know, fighting on some level, even if you're amicable, on some level, there's still conflict with your spouse or you wouldn't be getting divorced. You don't need to add conflict with your own lawyer on top of it. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. 
All right, item number seven on your list says, don't expect the court system to give you emotional justice. And then items 10 and 11 say, remember that most divorce cases settle. Settle if you can. You don't want a total stranger in a black robe deciding your future. Yeah, a lot of people want to go to court and they, they think they want to go to court. They want to tell the story they're going to tell. And when they they also think that when they tell the judge how horrible their spouse treated them, the judge is going to like come down off the bench and say, oh, you poor thing. This is awful. You get everything. Your spouse gets nothing. I'm going to make them pay. And that's not how the system works in every state in the country. There's no fault divorce. So that means that. You know, it doesn't matter what your spouse did or didn't do. Generally speaking, it's not going to affect the outcome, the financial outcome of your divorce. Now, there are some certain exceptions in different states that, you know, we don't need to get into right now. But for the most part, it doesn't matter if your spouse treated you like garbage. The court isn't going to fix that. And you don't get more money because of that. So that's something that's really hard for people to accept and to agree with. But the problem is if you're coming from the headspace of, I want my day in court, I want justice, you're not thinking logically, you're letting your emotions take control. And that's when you make decisions that end up hurting you in the long run. So you've got as much as you can and as hard as it is, clients need to step out of the emotions when they go to court and just say, okay, I'm going to look at this as a business deal. I'm going to look at what's legally realistic to get and not expect a pound of flesh on top of everything else because it's not going to happen. And the truth is most cases do settle. Like it's hard to get good statistics because every court system keeps their own statistics and there's no central database. But by all estimates, at least 90 to 95% of all divorce cases settle out of court. So what that means is you're never going to get your day in court to tell the judge how horrible your spouse was, right? You're going to be settling outside of court. And that's a good thing because what you don't, you know, people think that the judge is there to do something called justice, but what justice is and what's fair depends on the person you're talking to, because I guarantee you that whatever you think is fair is very different than what your spouse thinks is fair right? And so what the judge is going to do might not be fair or be just from either one of your perspectives, but it is from the perspective of the judge. And you don't know the judge. You don't, for the most part, you don't have any control over what judge you get. You don't know what that judge's mood is when they're deciding your case, how they, what their feelings are about families or children or ideas about anything. And you're saying to them, here's my life you make a decision for me because I can't do it. That's just not a good idea because you never, ever, ever know for sure what that judge is going to do. And people think, well, the judge will just apply the law. But the law, especially in divorce, has got so much wiggle room in it. There's so much discretion that a judge has that they can apply the law to a cer certain case in very different ways and still be completely within the boundaries of the law. So to let your future be in the hands of a complete stranger and hope for the best, that's a crapshoot. And that, that's a risk that most thinking people really don't want to take. The only time going to court makes sense is when you have no choice. 
If your spouse is saying, I'm not giving you a penny, literally you have to go to court or I'm not giving you anything. Okay. Now the dice is, the die is cast and it's clear you got to go to court, but under any other circumstances, letting a judge decide your divorce and your life, generally not a good idea. Yeah. And I was just thinking about all of that and thinking about like a lot of people, their view of a courtroom really probably is from TV. Like I like the show Bull every now and then on CBS. So, you know, everything that's all the testimony and all of this seems to follow a story and that it's very clear to follow. But in a real courtroom, it is just not that way. It's confusing. It's messy. And so being able to you know, we, I mean, we're experts, so we work to to make that clear on the parts that we can. But still, sometimes I'm like, how is a judge ever going to decide on this? Because I don't even think that either side's story got through because of all of the just procedures and everything. Yeah, it's very tedious. And I hate to say it, but it's very boring a lot of the time. I mean, the stuff that they show you on television is the cut to the chase moments. You know, it's the it's the dramatic moment and things usually don't happen in real courtrooms the way they happen on TV anyway, but they only show you the good stuff. But in a real courtroom, you're going through hours and hours and hours of tedious testimony and, you know, identifying documents and authenticating things. And you've, there's a lot of groundwork that leads, needs to be laid. And it's not easy. Things can be kept out on technicalities that you didn't expect to be kept out. And so your divorce can go a very different direction for reasons that have nothing to do with the facts, and they can be completely outside of your control. Exactly. In, in your experience, how can a forensic accountant or expert support your advice through their analyses and findings? Tremendously. In the right case, I mean, the thing is a lot of people think that their spouse is hiding money. And so they, they're all excited to, to go through a whole forensic accounting scenario, but they might not need it. The people who really do need it are anyone who has their own business or their spouse has their own business or if your spouse is actively trying to hide money and you you know it and it's a sizable amount, a forensic accountant can be invaluable because no matter how good you are at looking at numbers and looking at money, and most people, when you're in the situation of one spouse is hiding money and the other one believes that but can't prove it, the spouse who believes it usually has a lower degree of financial and accounting knowledge than the person who's doing the hiding. So that it's hard to find out what you don't know or where something might be hid, whereas for a forensic accountant, that's what you do, right? So you look at the facts and the figures and the data and you're like, oh yeah, look, check this, 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 and you, you've got your own process and you know how to find that money. The problem with just a regular person who doesn't have a financial background, can they find money and find hidden assets? Yes, sometimes they do. Sometimes they get lucky, but a lot of times they don't. And the problem is you can, you never know what you don't know. Like if you don't even know where to look, your chance of finding something is not nearly as good as for those people who know what they're doing and do this all the time. Right. In our find money and divorce, we like to provide our clients with the ability, you know, give them education like you talked about in your program, but then also here are the most common places to go look. And really a lot of times it's just, 
you just need to go find out what you actually have. Nothing's hidden. Here's how you find out what you actually have because they, they don't know to that point. But then the more of the hidden stuff that I think the expertise of somebody like myself or my team is that whenever it really is in the accounting world, there's a small business, you know, any size business involved. And so some of that, you know, jargon and technicalities come into play. That's when, you know, so I completely agree. There are people, they can be fact finders and kind of identify what they need, but there's some specialties that come in when we're dealing in the accounting and financial world for sure. We learn from stories on this podcast. So do you have a story of a divorce where a spouse hid assets? Yeah, there, there's a lot of stories where spouses, they at least they try to hide assets. Let's put it that way. A lot of times during the course of the divorce, the truth comes out, even without a forensic accountant. What people don't understand is even if the truth doesn't come out during the course of a divorce, sometimes if it comes out afterwards, it can still come back and bite you. So I had a client who there was, the husband had, I think it was a retirement account that was marital property, but his wife was a stay-at-home mom didn't do any of the finances. And so she, like, she had no clue what was anywhere, right? So it was fairly easy for him during the course of the divorce to hide this asset because he didn't get bank statements from it. He wasn't taxed on it because he was still putting money into it, right? And so it didn't exist. But what was interesting was through a fluke, actually, you know, it was through the mail because a lot of people find out information about their spouse in the mail or on the internet, but this happened to be in the mail that some statement or something came in the mail after the divorce to the former marital residence where the wife was then living and the husband had a new apartment. And for whatever reason, that piece of mail didn't get forwarded at the post office. She got it. She saw that he had this account that he never taught, you know, he never disclosed during the divorce and she knew she was entitled to half of it. So she went to him and said, Hey, you either give me half now or we're going back to court because the court documents, the divorce documents typically say something like the settlement is based on everybody's disclosure. And if somebody purposely hid something and you find out, then that person not only has to split it, but has to pay court costs and attorney's fees and all this other stuff if, you know, for the person that has to take them back to court. So she said, you either pay up now or we're going back to court and you're paying everything and I am going to make you pay. And so he did. He ended up having to give up half of something that he thought he could hide. And it that just happened. So that happened to be a case where they didn't use forensic accountants. In other cases, there was an attorney, this wasn't my case, but an attorney friend of mine also happens to be a CPA in, in addition to being a divorce lawyer. So he had a level of expertise that was above and beyond what most lawyers have, but he was involved, he was handling a divorce that involved a small business. And I, I think it was the husband, I can't remember if it was the husband or the wife, I think it was the husband who was hiding money through the business. And because he was a CPA, he knew every account to look in, every place to check, and was able to get this guy dead to rights. And the guy was actually pretty surprised. He didn't expect anyone to take that level of care going through the data and find out that he was lying and cheating. And what's interesting is the minute that happened and the attorney CPA figured everything out, got us all his ducks in a row, lined up all the evidence, and then 
disclosed what he knew to the other side and said, you're lying and I can prove it and I've got you on record, like I've got you six ways to Sunday. It was amazing how quickly the case settled. Yeah, that's what I love about the just the power of data and facts, whether it's in a divorce case or an embezzlement. It's like, well, here's this piece of paper with your signature. And <laughs> so let's move forward. Like there's nothing to fight about when it's that clear cut. Well, one of the things I've enjoyed about following you on LinkedIn, Karen, is that you love to put actionable content into people's hands. And as such, you've provided us with a link to a free divorce toolkit for our podcast listeners. What is in this toolkit? The toolkit has checklists in it and it has different kinds of checklists. Like there's a document checklist, an issue checklist. There's um, some things for parents in there. So it's just basic tools that you need to say, okay, you can go down the list. Do I have, what documents am I going to need to put together for my divorce? Because a lot of people don't know that. And they, they either pull together everything, like every receipt that they can find from the last 10 years, which is generally overkill and you don't need to do that or they're so overwhelmed they don't even know what to put together so they can't put together anything so you're going to find out what the documents are that you need you're going to find out what the issues are that you know typically the big issues in divorce you're going to find out some issues regarding parenting that if you have kids you'll at least it will give you an idea of what you can expect and what you can then start to talk about and work on in terms of a parenting plan Wonderful. That's super helpful. Well, we'll make sure to put that link in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. What is the best place for listeners to learn more about you and your resources? They can find me on my website, which is Karen Covey, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for your time. This has been really informative. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. The Investigation Game podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. For more information about the topics we discuss on each episode, please visit workmanforensics.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also connect with us on any of the social media platforms by searching Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for the podcast, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com.